Hi, this is Carl Franklin. Richard and I are going to be in London at the NDC conference December 2nd through the 6th, and we'd love to see you there. Come see Scott Guthrie, Don Syme, Bob Martin, Dan North, Scott Allen, Mads Torgerson, and many, many more at the NDC. For more information, go to ndc-london.com. .NET Rocks episode 926 with guest Randall Monroe. Recorded live Wednesday, November 6th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklin's.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. I'm Carl Franklin. This is Richard Campbell. We're the .NET Rocks guys. We came all the way from the other side of the world to be here, and we're glad to be here in Malmo, Sweden, at Ordev. Uh, we're talking today with Randall Monroe. Randall is the creator of the webcomic XKCD and author of the science blog What If. He grew up in southern Virginia where he worked at NASA building robots and 3D displays, and in 2006 he left NASA to draw comics for a living. Give him a big round of applause, Randall Monroe. Welcome. Hi. Wow, XKCD. You guys all fans of Randall? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's a fan. And I think everybody got the book in their bag today. They got, uh, when they registered, they got one of the XKCD books. Is it the first one? Yep. Yep. So volume zero. Volume zero. Because, <laughs> you know, you're base zero. You're going to start with zero. Of course he's going to start with zero. Well, my first introduction to XKCD was actually on the Nuclear Geek Out show. Uh, um, was that when we pulled out the infographic? Yeah, the, it was the infographic on... On radiation. On, on uh, the power uh, of nuclear power. Oh, yeah, the, the density of the density of power. of nuclear power. Well, that's just a straight uh, comic. I, I love your, your infographics, Randall, but there's so much more serious work than many of your comics, which are very funny. But the, uh, yeah, the, that particular one where it just showed just how much coal versus how much uranium... Okay, yeah. Power density. Yeah. I I had to work out. It, I had to get a couple of stacks of paper and measure them with a, a pair of calipers to try to figure out how big a stack would you need to to show the top half of this bar graph if it were really to scale. Um, and I actually had a hard time drawing it all in the frame because it was too tall <laughs> was to have someone much. holding part of the paper, and the stack would be too high to fit visually into the frame. Yeah. And it's just this recognition that the power density of fission is so high compared to burning coal, burning gas, burning oil. Yeah, and, and then I think if I had tried to fit, say, the power density of antimatter into that chart, it would have... Gone off again. It's gone high up and up. Too. The first stack wouldn't have been clearly visible. <laughs> then... Wow. Yeah, you, did, you had a really, I think, a somewhat obscure comic recently showing sort of the shadows of planets against the Earth, trying to sort of get the scale of size of, uh, of, of different celestial bodies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was... That, that actually, what really surprised me was I was thinking... I was just trying to figure out, like, um, if there was a particular time of day when I was directly below Jupiter right. or something, if, or at least if I went down near the equator. 
And so then I was saying, well, wait, how big would, how big would these you know, various planets be? Again, you know, on the Earth. And for a lot of them, it was like the, the, the space directly under the planet on the Earth's surface is like a circle, like, yay big. Right. And, and it's weird because you're, you're, you're multiplying, you know, doing division between like the huge scale of a planet divided by the huge scale of how far away they are, and you come back to something that is like human scale. Totally normal size, yeah. reasonable five, size. Five feet wide, something like that. Have you always drawn ever since you were a kid? Is this something that you've always been doing? Or was sort of doodling and noodling something you got into later? Um, I think I was never very good at paying attention in class, and, <laughs> and so I would like draw things in the margins. And, you know, not always, not comics and stuff, I, it, yeah. b but just charts and, and shapes and fractals and, and trying to, you know, little, mini infographics of, about stuff. And, and then I gradually realized that I was spending a lot more time in the margins than in the center of the, the assignment. So wait a minute. So you went from not paying attention to class to working at NASA? Yeah. Yeah. How does that work? <laughs> they exactly. didn't actually ask uh, too much about how good a student I had been. <laughs> um, no, it, it was um, it, it was uh, it was really neat. I had an internship. I, I uh, and worked on these three D displays that they were doing, and then moved on to programming robots. And and uh, I, I I don't know how much other people's robots would crash into the wall, but mine yeah. uh, mine. Mine would crash into the wall enough times that I started to think, maybe I could do comics instead. <laughs> <laughs> and so when did it, when did you, were you doing XKCD while you were working at NASA? And then yeah. it sort of took off. And wh at what point did you actually say, holy crap, I could actually do this for a living? It, 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 all, it actually all came on sort of quickly. I, I didn't work at NASA for all that long. Um, you know, I, I had my internship, and then the next year I got offered a, a contract job there and worked there for a couple of uh, contract periods. Um, but right around the time when I, I got that job, I had also started putting up these comics. And, and then I put up uh, one about the pseudo-command, and that one, like, my readership, like, doubled overnight and then continued this sort of crazy exponential growth. And tell, tell us about the pseudo command. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, it was, um, it was uh, you know, one, one character asking the other, make me a sandwich. And then, no, well, okay, pseudo, make me a sandwich. Oh, okay. You know. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, and I put that and I, I figured, oh, that's just the kind of joke everyone must make about the pseudo command because, you know, it lets you do anything. And, but apparently, you know, I was really, I, it was sort of the moment when I realized like, like, oh, there are a lot of other people who do, who, who get annoyed by the, the minutiae of how computers work, the, yeah. the details. And, and I can do more of those, you know, people like that, you right. know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of people write in and say that they like XKCD because they found there's like someone else who you know thinks about this thing that they think about. But for me, it was like finding out there are like a million people who think about this thing that I think about. So it was like more, even more exciting. So and I actually got that joke, sudos, yes. the super user do command in Linux. So and I and I got that joke because I've been playing around with a Raspberry Pi recently, and you can't <laughs> do anything without sudo on Raspberry Pi. So I just didn't think Linux humor was all that exponential. Oh. Well, there you go. Nice. Brought, brought the conversation well, to screeching yeah. halt. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. I feel good about that, actually. Uh, the, the, there are certain comics that I refer to routinely in consulting. Uh, little Bobby Tables. Yeah. Pull it out of oh, sanitize God, your sequel awesome. inputs.
Yeah, um, the funny thing about that one... Uh, um, well, let's, t- let's tell yeah. the joke first, right? Yeah, well, so, I mean, the joke, and, and, and I, I, when I always have a hard time when I explain a comic to someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the joke is about a, 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 a mother who, put, who names her baby with the middle name. Um, she gets a call from the school because they said they're having a problem with their computers because the baby's middle name is like semicolon parentheses, drop tables, students, and then like the double hyphen, you know, and, and, it's and, so it's, and it's a, a SQL injection attack that's actually in the child's name. Yeah. So when they try to enter it into the school database, it causes everything to crash. <laughs> um, that's awesome. And the, the funny thing, so for starters, after I did that one, I actually had some, some uh, security people uh, write in because I gave the advice in the mouse over text to the comic that said, you know, or, or the 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 character in the last panel says, "I hope you remember to sanitize your your database inputs in the future." Yeah. I um, mean, I had someone write in and say, "You really, the the people at the point where someone needs that advice, they shouldn't be sanitizing. They should be parameterizing everything." And yeah. I said, "Okay, well, uh, now I know." <laughs> um, which which is sort of actually a pattern um, that that I'll do when I do comics about these obscure technical subjects. Everyone assumes that. I must be, you know, the, the, a great expert in the subject. But a lot of the time, I found that the jokes that people like the most are the ones that I write, that I've, where, that I've come up with when I just learned about the thing. Right. Um, and so with that, that, uh, that comic, the SQL injection in that baby's name that I, you know, hand wrote into the comic was literally the first SQL I had ever written. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Um, you started with a SQL injection <laughs> attack? That's nice. I like that. Yeah, and, and, then, and then after that, you know, learned SQL for a project and, like, had to... to but then, like, once you get deep into it, it's sort of hard to see the things that are kind of ridiculous that are, are a little bit more obvious from the outside. Um, yeah. Then, then the syntax doesn't seem so odd anymore. It's just, yeah. It's fine. Do you have a favorite comic? Oh, I don't... You mean... Uh, of, of yours. Of my own? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Um, I actually forget all of my, the comics that I do. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I, you know, when you're drawing them at such this rapid pace, like, sometimes I'll go through the archives and just start reading and... And then keep reading. Oh man, I forgot that one. Oh, that's yeah. good too. Oh, I didn't even remember that. You know, and and uh, and yeah. so so I can never remember. Like, um, but my favorite ones have have probably just been ones that um, where I started drawing. You know, sort of the more infographic like comics. I'll a lot of the time I'll draw comics not as much to explain things to people, but to try to understand the thing myself. Yeah. And I had one that was a. Uh, uh, a plot of the movement of every character in the Lord of the Rings movies throughout the three movies, which, um, and, you know, each character is like a line, and so there's this timeline, and it shows, you know, the, the fellowship groups together, and then they move across the, 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 the scene, and then they gradually split up and, and split apart and die and get to battles. And, and that was just so much fun to draw, um, and it really illustrated for me, like I, I finished drawing it, looked at it and realized, man, Gandalf is such a transparent plot device. Like he keeps zooming back and forth across the map to like, oh crap, and now we need someone to explain this to this person. Okay, Gandalf crosses the world back the other way. <laughs> oh no, now someone needs to go and talk to Saruman about this. Gandalf crosses the world again. Like and, and until I saw it there, I didn't really, like, I didn't really realize just how much of a, of a plot device. He's Santa Claus. Yeah. He travels faster than the speed of light. Yeah. He can be anywhere at any time. Yeah. Secret exposition device. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my sort of both guilt and pride with that is, is 
I drew that, and that was when I was still drawing comics on paper. Um, you know, everything was on paper, and I would just scan it in and tweak it a little bit on the computer. And that one I drew, it took like three or four large sheets of paper, and I drew it in one like 20-hour long sitting, I think, where I didn't consult resources. Uh-oh. <laughs> Pretty much except once or twice to check on some plot point. But I got like partway through and realized I'm not, I don't have to look any of this up. I have seen these movies too many times. <laughs> oh, man. You remembered every position yeah. of every character throughout all three movies. What comics did you grow up uh, reading? Um, I actually, Obviously, Far Side must have been. A <laughs> yeah, Far Side. I mean, I think, I think for a lot of people in, in my generation of, of comics readers, Calvin and Hobbes was yeah. the... The, the sort of the big one almost. The, that, and so I, I, I had a huge stack of Kellen and Hobbes books that I read through over and over until like the, 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 the spine had completely fallen apart yeah. and the pages were in new orders. And, and, um, but really, I, 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 remember, I actually remember the moment I discovered what new, you know, I, I had never read comics in the newspaper and I found a Calvin and Hobbes book on my parents' bookshelf mm. and read it. And I remember going through the process of Okay, so there are pictures of people, and then there's text. Oh, and I see the text is connected to the people. Okay, so that's what the people are saying to each other, you know? And, and yeah. like, going through that discovery, and it was, like, two years later, I had, I had been to the library and gone through every, like, the, the, the sev in the 700 Dewey Decimal category, there are a couple of sections of humor, and then, like, in the adult and children's section, and just read from one end of the stack to the other, and then started at the beginning again and read them again, and just every every comic collection that the library had, wow. I read. Um, wow! And I and I would and and I would like read them over and over because <laughs> I was kind of like I I. Uh, sometimes I would well I could read this new book, but then I would have to like figure out who all the characters are and what all the. Uh, but with sure. this one, I already know them, and it's it's funny. I'll read it again, yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> so I I kind of obsessively read the the basic set of of comics that you'd find in a library. So like they would have Dilbert, Calvin and Hobbes, Garfield, The Far Side, Bloom County, and Outland. Yeah. Um, and, I was and, a huge Bloom County fan. Yeah, 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 that was great. Yeah. So yeah. of all those comics, where where do you think you may have picked up your sarcasm the most? from um i don't know I, I i think i picked up my sarcasm from college um really? li living in a dorm like like i don't know I, I had i had one of those one of those dorms for a while where it was like a constant competition to come up with the best joke anytime anything happened uh -huh. you know it was like you were always trying to one up each other and then and then you start like getting used to the jokes and you start making them the most surreal you start making surreal jokes you know like you'd start off with your mama jokes sure and then and then after a little bit you'd You'd be like, oh yeah, well your your mama seems really nice. I have only met her that once, but but you know she was really friendly, and I <laughs> I, I can see she's raised you well. And then you'd yeah. circle all the way back around to where you're insulting each other's mamas again, but but it's ironic this time. Right. <laughs> and then <clears throat> and then uh, and then and then eventually you go come back to you know your mama is such a an a, a an intangible black slab that's impossible to look at that surrounds me and uh, and is slowly closing in and stifling me and I need to go and then you get up and leave the room you know and <laughs> and, and you um because things you know you just sort of get competitive and and sure. uh and so that's where I got that from I think um <laughs> but with comics you know it, it was uh 
You still keep in touch with those guys from college? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Are they huge fans? Some of them. Or they ever? I think I think it's it's a little bit weird. They they mostly you know. Oh yeah, so you did a thing on the internet after after us, and what was that about? You know, they're uh. they're, they're uh, and um, but but uh, I think that really there was learning, you know, sort of the getting in the habit of making jokes about stuff from that. But from the comics, one thing that I I didn't really learn until later, but learned a little from uh, from things like The Far Side and Dilbert is that, you know, the, the Gary Larson with The Far Side did a lot of different kinds of jokes, but the ones that really have stuck around on people's walls and the ones that you'd see are the ones that are, like, about that person's specific subject. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it that was sort of learning, like... Frame. Yeah. yeah, the whole story told in, in a blurb. Yeah, I was going to so, say, so very, a, a lot of things that you yeah. can glean from one frame. Yeah, yeah, and also that like if you do a comic for a specific group of people, maybe most people won't get it, but that specific group will really like it, you right. know? Cause, cause, sure. Because normally, you know, before the internet, it was so much harder to, to reach a specific audience. So you had to make, you know, a newspaper comic, you know, Gary Larson might have really liked doing comics about biology. You know, he, he, he did a lot of that. But he couldn't do that every day or the newspapers wouldn't carry him. Right. And, and so now with the internet, you know, those of us who are sort of coming into the same thing, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, get to... We get to make the, the jokes we really want to make all the time sure. and find our audience. This is, it's, it's a classic long-tail definition, right? So yeah. There is a lot of people, actually, but they're very spread out. Yeah. And it's only because we have great communication technology now that we can get to them all. I also think uh, Watterson in Calvin and Hobbes was the one who was trying to break out of the, the newspaper model so hard. He wanted that full page, just sort of went nuts with the layout and, and tried different things to convey a different kind of message. Yeah, I think he, he I mean, his, his whole career was a, a battle with everyone who who wanted things to be a certain way right. and 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 i think that by sort of standing on on principle and and not compromising even in places where it really seemed like it was becoming a headache not to compromise he yeah. um he both won a lot of a lot of uh you know artistic freedom and a lot of concessions and 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 also set a standard that, that everyone else then got to benefit from without having to fight as hard as he did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that way, he's sort of like, like you know, even though he, he I think he's sort of, sort of like a, a Richard Stallman character in right. that, that, that he, by being really dogmatic, he helped pull the standard in a better direction a little bit, you know? Um, and, and then we all benefit from that. Absolutely. Some, well, somebody has to be the ideologue, has to be out, mm -hmm. on, out on the edge creating air yeah, for everyone and then, else. And then meanwhile, you know, he's not just fighting these battles, but, but you know, making some of the best comics of his genera of sure. the generation, you know. Yeah. Um, he, he fought to get, that, to get that freedom because he really knew what to do with it, you know. Yeah, um, he actually had something to do with it. You have drawn Richard Stallman a couple of times, if I recall. Yeah, I just keep adding hair until it looks <laughs> until it looks right. 
<laughs> and then it's Stalin. I think you did, a, you did a gag one where two guys jump in like they're going to be the Microsoft assassins and then they just run away because Stallman's all ready for them. It's like, ah, it's finally come. And then they take <laughs> off and go, I'll keep him busy for a while. Yeah, I learned a, I learned a difficult lesson from that comic. Um, and I learned a lesson about how, um, how quickly you can get feedback on the internet. Oh. Because... That comic went up, and it was one of those ones where it was scheduled, and it went up at a certain time without me really being involved. You know, I, I had put it on the computer sometime before, and I think, I, I think it, was, uh, it was around one of the holidays, because I was down at visiting my family. And for some reason, I couldn't sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I said, well, I'll check my email, because that's what you do. And, um, and I saw, I, it was like, the comic had gone up at midnight, this comic about Richard Stallman fighting off the Microsoft goons or whoever it was. Right. You know, the, the various bo boogeymen of, of the free software world. Um, and it had gone up at about midnight, and it was about 12.35 that I was checking. And I had like 12, 12 or 13 emails to an address that wasn't even posted on my website. Right. Because as it turns out, when I had written Stallman's dialogue... I had him at some point say uh, that, that, uh, that open source software will carry on. And where he, it turns out, and I didn't know this at the time, hates the term open source <laughs> and crusades against it almost as vociferously as he does against you know, closed source software itself. And, that he, and it just, to anyone who had heard Stallman talk you know, or knew him at all, that that stuck out as, as uh, whoa, that's not, that, Stallman would not say that. Right. And so I sort of hastily said, okay, what can I do? Oh, and, and I realized I've titled the comic Open Source. Like, right. how do I, but the, this is a lot of email. I, I need to do something quick. And so I, like, I get out my laptop, you know, think, okay, I don't have, I can't draw something new. You know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like change around the comic, but and I, but I have the other, and I had the uh, the uh, the guys, you know, the Microsoft ninjas crashing through the ceiling, saying free software in their spiel, and Stallman saying open source. And I said, okay, I'll just switch those. And so, like, I just got got the comic in Photoshop and just changed those. Okay, and, and the dialogue, the dialogue, it, I was really lucky because the dialogue works just as well. And and I figured, like, I try not, I know, I try not to to do that, but you know, with that kind of thing, I, I didn't want that to be sitting there in the morning for for everyone to to uh, right. continue. My inbox would not be able to handle that. So I made that change very quickly, and I figured that okay, the t the word open source, the the term open source is still in the title of the comic, but um, but. But and, and, and it appears in the comic, but Stallman doesn't say it. So I figured that, that only the most, uh, that, like even, even the pedantic internet people would be satisfied because Stallman wasn't saying open source, so nothing would seem too, too unusual there. And indeed, I, I, the emails slacked off, but then when I got up the next morning and, uh, and looked, I did have one, I, I, did, I did still get at least one email saying, it's not just that the term open source is, is, is in the dialogue that Stallman says. You know, the title really shouldn't be open source at all. Um, and, and the characters should all be saying free software and the title should be. And I was thinking, okay, so there are a few diehards who are really... Yeah, right. and, then I, and then I read down and realize the email is from Richard Stallman. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I was, was going to ask. Like, yeah. At some point. And, 
Are you going to do the Gary Trudeau thing where, you know, like he represents, he represented uh, W. Bush with the hat and <laughs> Richard Stall may just be a pile of hair someday? Well, I think I might have the same, uh, the same reason for picking those that, I, that, that he might have, which is that, that it's hard to draw people right. who are recognizable. <laughs> yeah. And it's especially hard when you're drawing stick figures. And you don't want to so. offend them in any way by drawing them obscure, grotesquely <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. and also... And also, if, if someone isn't a religious Doonesbury reader, they might have to figure out, okay, wait, who's, it's, is that a coin flipping? Who right. is that? And yeah. you have to figure out. Because if, if you, know, you haven't seen his comic that's the chart of all of his characters, that's you know, g- like 100 people and labels and more detailed than any of my infographics, <laughs> uh, then that can be hard to keep up with. But, but yeah, if, if, you, um, if you're just drawing stick figures that don't have faces... That can be a little bit of a challenge. The, I mean, this also brings to mind the whole idea around uh, your, your infographics. They seem so much more serious than your comics. Like, how did you end up doing infographics? The, the Middle Earth one's hilarious <laughs> uh, just because of, of the way that it, it actually visualizes things. But you've, have you actually gotten work doing infographics for certain organizations as well? Well, I mean... Um yeah, I've done, I did, uh, I did, I did something for science uh, a little bit ago, the, the magazine the, mm-hmm. that, about the, the growth of, um, of uh, open access publishing. Oh, yeah. And, and the growth of publishing in general, which it turns out has been extremely steady for the last, you know, three or four hundred years um, of scientific publishing. Like basically, since Gutenberg on up, it's yeah. been a steady uh, arc. Yeah, and although I think... The 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 uh, I've heard that the uh, the first book published on the the Gutenberg's printing press was the Gutenberg Bible, and then the second the second book published was about the death of the publishing industry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but no, it's been going strong. Um, and and so they they wanted me to illustrate that. You know, I did a I did a comic showing like if you tried to cite every scientific paper ever written, how big would the stack of citation of of just your citation section be as right. you went along over the years. But mostly, um, that's actually one of the main things that, that when I, I make a living doing comics, um, selling posters is, is both... Make, making posters and then, and, and then I sell posters of, on my site is both sort of the most fun part of it because mm-hmm. I really do enjoy doing those infographics. You know, often, uh, often those, that's my favorite part of, of, doing, of doing my website. Um, and it's also, you know, one of the main, the main things that... Uh, that supports me, you know, is, is sales of, of posters. You know, I did, I did one that was this chart of all the money in the world right. shown to scale, like, like how much everything costs. Because I realized that, that I was thinking about, someone said, you know, for the cost of one B-2 bomber, we could send, we could build 50, you know, 50 great schools for, for this many kids. Or you know, build a B-2 bomber for kids. Maybe they want that. Uh, but, and, then, and then someone else said, oh, yeah, but, you know, you can't just, you can't just go and redeem a B-2 bomber and, and then get money for schools. You know, that's not how that works. It's more complicated than that. And I was thinking, but it, it's sort of not more complicated than that because that's, that's exactly what money is. It's, it's a medium... That you, it's fungible. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, right. the amount of money you spend on a B-2 bomber and the amount of money you spend on a school, it's the same money. It's, it's part of the federal budget. Yeah. And so, 
And so I was thinking it's not just, you know, B2 bombers in schools, which you often see people com make comparisons to sort of make a particular point, but you can compare those to anything else that you spend money on, which is almost everything in our world has a value attached to it, sure. uh, you know, for better or for worse. So I decided to try to show the price of everything on one scale <laughs> as, you know, or... or uh, you have several zoomed-in scales, but, mm -hmm. but using the same units. And so I made this chart, and it, and it was like, uh, like two months of solid research and crashing Google spreadsheets over and over because I had too many cells and, you know, databases. And, uh, <laughs> and, and by the end, I, um, I said, oh, no one's going to like this. And I put it up, and it was like the, the best Christmas season we've ever had, just people buying that chart. Wow. Nice. Um, what, was the one that, what was the one you were working on that you got booted off of Wolfram Alpha for? Oh, yeah. I, I, I get kicked off of them pretty routinely, actually. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, well, that's, but what, what is this place you just mentioned? Wolfram Alpha? Yeah, so it's, it's Mathematica, the, the Wolfram, Stephen Wolfram's you know, uh, computational uh, environment. They have this website, you know, Wolfram Alpha, where you type in questions. It's like Google, but it's for quantitative oh, you know, okay. calculation. I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. and, and I, I have, you know, I use Mathematica, but then a lot of the time I'm like, I, I can never remember how to, how to maneuver around the cells in, mathema in Mathematica, so it'll just be easier to just type Wolfram Alpha, blah, 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 in my browser. And so when I'm writing my uh, what-if articles, answering these questions um, mm -hmm. that people send in using, using science, I'll often just do a ton of calculations in my browser in Wolfram Alpha and, and, hit their, uh, and, and I'll hit their limit, you know, you made 5,000 queries in a day. That's, you know, that's unreasonable. And, <laughs> and so they'll have a thing that's saying, a good you, cause. You, you look like a bot. You have to prove you're not by sending in an explanation of what it was you were doing and why it needed so many, uh, so many queries. And, I wrote, and so I, I wrote in and filled in like the, the whole form they had for an appeal of your block. And I wrote, you know, um, my name... Occupation, cartoonist, website, you know, so-and-so. What were you doing that incurred the block? And I wrote um, something like, trying to figure out how many helium balloons someone would need to inflate if they had jumped out of a plane with a tank of helium and a bunch of <laughs> balloons, and they were trying to stop themselves before they hit the ground <laughs> in the form. <laughs> That's a great question. Awesome. We need the answer to that question. Yeah, and and then I uh, and and then the, that next morning I got a message that my block had been rescinded. <laughs> <laughs> With um, a little note, that's awesome. And and actually, I later learned I've, I I had triggered the block a few more times, um, and it was because I had a script running in the I had I had set up a, a, a sort of a cron job uh, script that ran every night. Because I realized that, that with how, how quickly storage is getting cheap, that, and, and yet the amount of stuff that I can read in a day has stayed about the same, right. um, it was now feasible to just grab a snapshot of every web page I ever look at every day and store it, you know, and, and it, it really doesn't run up that much space, especially if I'm, you know, at the very least, just looking at the text on the pages. Mm -hmm. And so I had a script running that just grabbed a plain text snapshot of every every item in my browser history uh -oh. every day, you know, that it... So and if you do 5,000 queries in Wolfram Alpha, you're yeah, going to do them again. Yeah, and so those 5,000 queries that week and the, the ones the next week and the ones the next week, 
<laughs> then my, my, my cron job says, oh, hey, those pages, we haven't archived those, and goes back through and, and recapitulates my entire Wolfram Alpha history in one hour. Oh. And that sort of, that really legitimately got, yeah, was a That's I a was, reasonable block they, at that they point. They were right. I was abusing the system <laughs> with a bot, but, uh, but I really didn't mean to. Hey, Richard, you know what time it is? Oh, it must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to grab a bag of balloons and a helium tank and jump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I tell you who that is, I need to tell you that Telerik Icinium enables you to develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript. The new release of Icinium will allow .NET devs to utilize all of this goodness from within Visual Studio. The capabilities include comprehensive backend as a service, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery mobile, and integrated testing and development capabilities, making Icinium a robust end-to-end -end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium with this new Visual Studio extension is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection Start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at Icinium.com. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M.com slash D-N-R. And don't forget to thank Telerik for supporting .NET Rocks. Awesome, dude. So who's our winner? Today's winner is Robert Davis. Let's oh. give Robert a big hand. For him. The Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection is just about everything Telerik does in one box. It's a $2,000 value. We give away one every show. We also give away one of my CDs, which you can find at carlfranklin.com. It's called Ben A While. The great John Schofield played guitar with me on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also at iTunes and Amazon and Nokia Music. And who's and our winner? Our winner is Joseph Bulger. Congratulations, Joseph. And if you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, join the fan club, you could win. Every show we give away stuff, and every December we give away $5,000 worth of technology to well, one lucky good. member. And we'd like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000 right now to spend on technology, Randall, what would you buy? Hmm. Yeah, this ought to be good. Yeah. That's a lot of uh, I think, IKEA balls. That's for sure. That's true. I think I think I would or balloons. I think um, yeah. Assuming I've there's a helium shortage, I might want to stock up on the helium. For the <laughs> no, I think I think a I think a really good uh, um, acetylene torch and fuel because with that, if you have that, you can get a lot of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. No. I would go more plasma cutter, though. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Why not uh, just go for thermite. You can probably get a whole kit. Yeah, the, uh, uh, thermite, and then and then you know, an, I think don't underestimate an old-fashioned set of bolt cutters. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. Now, I'll refer to another one: the five-dollar wrench method of getting a password. True. <laughs> True. We could break this cryptographically, or we could get the guy drunk and beat him with a hammer until he told us his <laughs> password. Okay, let's do that. Evil, evil, <laughs> evil people. Um, so I, I want to talk a little bit about your business model. So first of all, how many hits do you generally have? How many views a day? Or give me some rough number that we can throw out. Um, that's something we've. I, I've. I've. Uh, I've tried to. to 
I found that if I, when I would sit and stare at the website stats every day, that it would you you sort of get really neurotic about yeah. like, oh, today it it dipped compared to yesterday by this much, or you know, what did I? I have to go back and look at everything I did, like, and and right. you get really obsessive, and then it goes up, and you're like, okay, I am validated, and then and 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 that's like not a good emotional roller coaster. No, it's not. Yeah. So what I I've the other thing is it's just really hard, you know, it's really hard to tell what what the numbers mean in a in a we know exactly way. what you're talking about you know when because people the use the boat. word hits to refer to any number of different statistics um with people behind nats unique ips are a complicated yep. thing you yeah. know there's then people look at things on two different devices or they'll show up from one ip and then a moment later from another um and your best and, guess yeah well so the 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 sort of ballpark that i've used is that 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 um you know, the way I think about it is that some number that is more than a million people will see any given comic. Sure. Um, and, and I don't really know, you know, it, it could be off by a power of two or three, you know, in right. any direction. But, right. but, um, but really, I don't, I don't really know the difference between a million people and two million people because they're both just very big numbers that sure. I don't know how to think about sure so so there's not like like it's not like if if it if it goes up to two million or goes down to you know seven hundred fifty thousand right. that i would know what to do with that information yeah um because those are all way more people than i'm comfortable like even imagining <laughs> like meeting so but there must be some gauges like the, the stallman incident's a great example of this like you got a bunch <laughs> of emails that that made you act do you have a sense is there is there always an event like that where you know okay well, this is a, a comic that's got a lot of power to it yeah well so what i ended up doing um with with stats the way the way i've sort of handled that is like if you have if you have absolutely no feedback then you you know it's sort of like if you're a stand-up comedian who performed with earplugs the whole set you would never know what jokes were actually like getting a reaction right. and which ones weren't you know, so so like you do need some of that, but at the same time, you need to not like get obsessive about about those statistics, and you know, sort of spend more of your time looking at your web stats than you do like drawing comics. Sure. Um, and so, so I what I ended up doing was writing uh, like like all problems in my life, trying to solve it by writing a, a Python script that. <laughs> um, that that would just go through the stats and give me a summary in terms of like it would sort of give me a a a score of like how many people how how unusual had that particular day been compared to comparable days you know when I had put up comics like that or when I had done you know and it would just say like today's website traffic you know two thumbs up or pretty good or like just average or people didn't really link this around today, you know, right. or, and, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and I just get that kind of very high level, like that joke worked, that joke maybe didn't work as well, you know, that's that, good. And, and, and so I, now I have, I, that's what I've sort of settled on. I noticed that the website's very sparse too, and I mm -hmm. didn't remember seeing any ads, right? Yeah. So how do you, how do you make your money? Um, I, I actually like talked to other, other comics people early on when I started doing this comic saying, It'd be it'd be cool to make money from this. Should I put up ads? What should I do? And and I grew up. Um, I actually grew up only watching public television. My parents just didn't tell us our TV could get other channels right. <laughs> um, until we were we were 
And by the time we were old enough to ask, we had just gotten used to it, and it was yeah. just not something we even like considered, you know, breaking that rule. Yeah. So, so I was sort of iffy about ads, and so I talked to people and asked, "How much are you making?" And they would say, "Well, you know, we make about this many readers. We make about this much on on ads, and then and then." this much selling because I put up one funny t-shirt for sale and it would like dwarf the amount that they were making from ads. Sure. Okay. And, I, and I thought like, like if you can make that much more with merchandise than ads, then it didn't seem worth the sacrifice to clutter up a page. Sure. For, yeah. And I think it's particularly for a page like where people are going just to look at a comic that you made. It, it's sort of, I think, a little bit more distracting to have you know, other people's comics scattered around or links to, you know, pictures of other stuff. Um, right, they're there to you see know, it your kind comic. of distracts. Yeah. It, it's, it's a little bit more distracting from the joke, you know, that you're trying to tell than it would be if it were, say, a news site about, you know, where they, they're interested in a bunch of different things about the, you know, they want to keep up with this and see what new products are out, you know, but, but people looking at comics aren't, you know, aren't thinking of it in that way, I think. And sure. Can I change gears a little bit? I yeah, want to sure. talk about a particular comic, which I don't know how many people have actually seen this one, but the Med Flood comic. The, what is it, 3,100 hand-drawn frames that you put together? Yeah. What were you thinking? That's like a year's <laughs> worth or two, 10 years <laughs> worth of comics. It was incredible. And it just kept going. Yeah, that, that, was, um, that, was, that was an interesting process. That was... So the comic that I did the year I did a comic the year before um, that was it called Click and Drag, and it was a the comic big world. Yeah, and it was a comic that just had one, and it was a comic that just had one panel. But if you it, if you move the mouse over the panel, the mouse over text said Click and Drag, and the title was Click and Drag. And the panel, you know, there was a little joke at the top about how how a thing uh, a bit of text about how big the world was, and then you click and drag the bottom panel, and it's a window. And it's a landscape, but if you drag it, the landscape continues, and you can explore in all directions. And I tried to make it big enough that people would, their hand would genuinely get tired of clicking and dragging before they could find the end. Um, and and that that sort of, and that was like quite a bit of obsessive drawing more and more and more and more landscape to fill in there. And some massive radio towers, if I recall correctly. Yeah, a few, everything was to scale. So there were some, some massive radio towers, the, uh, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, um, you know, all this stuff that, they were, that you could explore. And, and I've had a lot of fun filling in all these details. I really liked the comic. By the end, I was just like, I feel like I've been a crazy person, though, like, hold up in my room, building, drawing this thing, and now and then I'd show someone one panel from it, you know, say, like, and I'd explain it, and they would say, all right, you know, and then I would start to feel like maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit obsessed, maybe I've gone a little too far with this one. Maybe it's just yeah. me. And then I put that up, and it, sort of, to my surprise, it became, like, far and away the most popular thing I've put on the internet. Wow. Like, it, it got me... You have a you, whole I, wiki to explain your comic. Yeah, yeah, um... And the the and well and so and that and that was such a satisfying experience mm -hmm. that that immediately I had more things like that I wanted to do, <laughs> um, you know like I, I I had all these I had other ideas I I really wanted to do one that was uh, that was sort of exploring in the same way but exploring going through time instead of space, so the co a comic that would be bigger than it looked like you know 
and and so I wanted to make one where instead of um, instead of clicking and dragging to explore how far the comic went in space, you would come back you know every every hour to see how far the comic extended in time. And and I had a story about a thing I really wanted to tell too. It was you know about about the 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 period that when the Strait of Gibraltar closed off and the Mediterranean dried, dried up down to the seabed and then it refilled in a single enormous flood. And, right. and I, so I wanted to tell a story set, set there and um, a sort of a story about discovering how weird and exciting the world is, uh, starting with a very simple, small frame. And so I made this comic that, that updated every half hour and then eventually every hour. And I drew, and I waited until I had several months, you know, of of completely free time. I could draw, and I, you know, I didn't have family obligations. I didn't have anything, and I, and so I worked, and I and I drew the first, you know, several thousand. It was it was, you know, I had over a thousand frames of this comic that were completely drawn out, and the rest of the comic storyboarded out, and then I put up the first frame. And because I figured, because I timed myself and I kept, right. you know, statistics and I said, okay, I, this is how fast I'm drawing these frames. This is, uh, this is how fast I can, I can do this. So at this point I can put it up and I will be easily able to, to get to the end before we, before the end is supposed to go up. Sure. Right. And then it turned out that the point where, where the characters st- leave the, the seashore where they start out and it, and it does start so sweetly. Yeah, they, I mean, they you're just start making building castles. a sandcastle on a seashore. Yeah, and then and the and the sea is really easy to draw because it's just a pretty flat line. Um, but the the so they start exploring out into this world, and I didn't realize I had I had expected the time it took me to draw was going to lengthen as I went went along, but I didn't really anticipate just that it would take me six, eight, ten times per, longer per panel toward the end than it did toward the beginning. Wow. As the characters started exploring a world and finding more vegetation and other people, and suddenly it wasn't just two people in the frame anymore, it was five and eight, and you know, and they were all, and it was still the same update schedule, and so it got, Crazy. the comic caught up with me at the end, and I was just awake. It was sometimes taking me more than an hour to draw a panel that was going up, and then an hour later there was another one. Oh, jeez. Um, and so... So I, the story ended up having, I had to, to, to uh, you know, the story ended up having to take a little bit longer just because I wasn't able to tell all of the stuff in as compact a space as I, a time as I was hoping. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then there were, there were three or four weeks where, where in addition to my comics and my what if, I was, had to be uh, keeping up with, uh, with finishing, you know, in, in, in the finishing weeks of time, I was, I was, putting in something like 60 to 80 hours in a week just for that in addition to comics and articles. Wow. And, and, that, and, that was, and then after that, I, I finished and I slept for like two weeks and then went and uh, uh, you know, apologized to my wife and apologized to my family. <laughs> you know, and, 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 uh, and, then I, and, and that's something that I would love to explore more. Everyone says, you know, can you, can you do, are you going to do a collection of those or whatever? But, but um, I feel like I've, I, I now have to build up a little bit more goodwill and energy before I can uh, uh, dive back into that particular yeah. project. <laughs> um, he, Carl and I have done projects where at the end of the project, the spouses said, 
don't do that don't again. Don't do that again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the live weekend was one of yeah. those. Yeah, well, I think, I think both of us uh, have, have had our <laughs> obsessive projects like that, but, um, but that one was a pretty big one. And so, so that was a lot of fun. Um, so I'm just trying to en- envision this. So it, if you went to the website when it was over, could you watch all the frames as a movie kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, actually, a lot of people collected the frames. We had no interface. That was, uh, that was something that I was... I was uh, I w- with, the f- with the click and drag comic, I was adamant that there shouldn't be an interface that m- made it... <clears throat> That everyone who was built, you know, I got someone to do the JavaScript to make the, the, the interface, and they said, all right, hey, so I set it up so you can use the arrow keys, or you can just move the mouse to the edge, and it will just scroll continually, so you don't need to keep clicking. And I said, no, it, it, you have to make them click. Because what I wanted to emulate was, was, first of all, the experience of exploring Google Maps zoomed way in. Right. When you, like, see a satellite picture, and you're like, what's there? And then you start following a river. And you just see where it goes, and I, I would spend hours doing that. And also, I wanted to give people a sense of effort. Like, they had to walk. There was no shortcut. You know, you right. couldn't zoom out and then zoom in somewhere else. You had to walk. And it made it feel like more yeah. of a discovery. And so right. I did the same thing with this. Was I, I, we had the website set up, so there was no way to see the frames ahead of time. And you, there was no back button. You couldn't see what had happened before. You just had to check in every hour to see how the story developed. And, you know, people would go to sleep and then wake up and be like, okay, everyone, I'm on the forums. What's a recap of what I missed for the eight hours, you know, seven hours I was asleep? And then, but of course, people did make websites that let you browse the frames, you know, more easily. And I actually ended up using those because they were more, they had more detailed notes than I had in my storyboards. They were wow. easier to navigate. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. So, uh, so after a little bit, I, um, when I was trying to figure out, okay... They're walking back here. What, what object did I leave lying on the ground? Which frame was that? Was it 600 or 700? And I would just go to these websites of these obs- the, the obsessive uh, uh, detail collectors who had all the frames and annotations. And it was really, it was very helpful. And, and so now if people go back and check out that, uh, that comic, it, the, it's number, I think, uh, 1190. Um, I have we're no talking yeah. about Med Flood? Which... Um, if if uh, if you click on it, you go to my favorite of the viewers that someone made, which uh, which actually had an animation piece in it, and then it would slow down when there were frames you had to really read. Yeah, and yeah, and they have like you know a, a, a neat index on the bottom with like color for which frames have dialogue in them, which frames have, and so on. It's really neat. It's an amazing effort by the collectors. I, yeah. lo- and I love that term that they they're mm-hmm. people who obsessively collect this stuff mm-hmm. and help to curate. Well, it. and and I, I'm as someone who is obsessively generating it. I, I t- by the end I felt a real kinship with the people who were obsessively trying to decode it all. You know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, great piece. And it's oh, astonishing, well, astonishing amount of work. Is there any end in sight? Or is For, this something that you want to just continue to do until you can no longer put pen to paper? Um, I don't know. I mean, as, as long as it feels fun. Um, one of the great things about, you know, I feel like if I were telling a story about characters... I feel like I would more, like if I were telling specific stories, I would say, okay, I've hit the stories I want to tell or like I want to move on to something else. Yeah. And, but with this, what's great is it gives me such an open canvas to work on, you know, that if I, if I want to do charts instead of jokes about Linux, I can do charts and I can put them up as today's comic, you know, and if I want to do stories, I can do those. And if I want to talk about, you know, emotions, I can do that. And, and, and so I feel like, like, I'm not sure what would make me want to move to a different platform for that, 
you know, I've, I've got side projects. Maybe eventually one of those will become my main thing and I'll, uh, I'll need to end my, my comic. But, but for the moment, I'm really an, I, I still enjoy being able to experiment. So, so that's a, it's a great platform awesome. for that. Any questions from the audience before we wrap up? We got a question for Randall. Yeah, I'm just wondering a bit about how you work. Do you have a follow strict schedule or just go by inspiration or... Yeah. How, how do you do, draw your top comics? When you draw your comics, how do you work? Do you like sit down for four hours or... Yeah. How far ahead do you yeah. get? Well, so I actually... Um, you know, I, I know, I know a handful of other, you know, cartoonists, both the newspaper and the internet variety. Um, and, and I really don't think I know anyone who works anywhere ahead of their deadline. You know, like, because it really makes sense. You should be able to do these on your own time. You know, they, you, it would make sense to have a buffer built up. But there's something about the deadline pressure that forces you to take an idea that you're not quite sure how to make work and, like, make it work. Um, and, uh, and, and so everyone I know, you know, newspaper people, they have to deliver them weeks ahead of time, and they mail them in exactly the number of weeks ahead of time they have to be, you know? And, and, uh, and, and for me, you know, I, I started off when I did my first, like, I think in the first 50 comics or 100 comics that I put up, I had, I had a buffer of, of weeks. And then, and then immediately ate that up and, and then have, have never had a consistent... Uh, uh, you know, I've never been consistently ahead by more than more than a day or two, or a comic or two. Um, but I, I actually wrote to a couple of other uh, people early on because I started off and I was like, I I have these jokes I wrote in my notebooks that I'm going to put up. I don't know how you come up with with new jokes. You know, what's the process? So I wrote to a couple of people. You know, I wrote um, I wrote to a couple of cartoonists, and and I actually wrote uh, Dave Barry wrote me back. He wrote a really nice oh, reply, wow. and I said like. How do you, what, what, is, what is the process, you know, for, that you use for coming up, for, for writing stuff? You know, what do you, how much of it do you sort of force and how much of it is just remembering things that make you laugh? And he, and, and he wrote back and said, you know, my, my process is I, I look at a blank document and hope that I can think of something funny <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then keep going until eventually I, I have an idea of what the comics, what the, uh, you know, what the article or the column is about. And, uh, and I think that's pretty true. <laughs> that's, that, but, uh, I like the stare at a blank page till blood comes out of your forehead. Yeah. Well, let's give Randall Monroe a big round of applause. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Randall. Uh -huh. We'll see you next time on .NET Rock. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time.
Transmit a band by the FCC Yes, I'm a, a talk 